Welcome to the Tome to the Weather Machine podcast. I'm your host, Ryan Hall, and today I speak to the experimental percussionist Claire Rousset, who's based out of San Antonio, Texas. In this interview, we talk about Claire's past in music and discovering music, but we also talk about the very real situation that she and other artists like herself are in right now um, in this really uncertain time due to the coronavirus. I hope you enjoy this short podcast that I did. Uh, This is the first of many that I'm doing with musicians who have been impacted by the coronavirus and just a little bit about kind of what they're experiencing. If you want to support Claire, uh, she has a really amazing subscription service on Bandcamp um, with a ton of different releases across multiple different formats. Uh, if you want to support the uh, podcast, um, you know, we have a Patreon, but that's kind of immaterial at this point. Um, feel free to please funnel all money to artists who are experiencing um, a loss of income at this time. Uh, Claire's also put a put together a really cool mix of music that I am putting up uh, as a public SoundCloud link um, that I will link to on the Facebook page and also in the description on this podcast. Thanks. Bye. Hello. Madeline from Midwife. David Nance. Seth Graham. Kiaville. Mike from Uniform. Lee Noble. Braden J. And you are listening to Tone to the Weather Machine. This is Ryan Hall. I am talking to Claire Rousset. Uh, Claire, where are you right now? Uh, I am at home in San Antonio, Texas, sitting in All my right. bedroom with my dog. All right. I'm um, in not my bedroom, but I'm in a bedroom with the dog. I've been probably before. <laughs> yeah, you have. Yeah, I was trying to think of uh, the first time when we actually met. Um, yeah, was it in Denver? Might have been. Were you? Oh, yeah. Were you with Mary? Yeah. Yeah. Okay, that's right. Um, I think it took me a minute to kind of like make Put those all of connections. Together. Yeah, yeah and then um, again when you came through cincinnati um with michael or michael, was yeah. there yeah was there another time before that maybe uh the second time it was me and maurice on tour and we played with alex cunningham we oh, all that's... ended up in yeah in the same place that's right yeah and i remember one time you were like coming through cincinnati and maybe you had a show fall through and you were like reaching out i think that's the first time like i'd ever like heard of you um and i like i remember like I have a distinct memory of this. I was like at a, like a dinner like party with a bunch of like my wife's friends that, you know, I didn't really like care about. (laughs) Uh, And I don't think she did. Like, it was kind of like a work thing. Um, And so like, I I remember getting this like message and I think you needed a place to stay or something like that. I'm like, this is way more interesting than like what I'm, (laughs) what I'm doing right now. So well, cool. Well, um, yeah, so I like to, uh, like I kind of explained to you earlier, um, I am, I do, you know, I do these once a month, but I'm really trying to do as many as possible right now, try to do them once a week, um, because we're kind of in a unprecedented time for musicians and creative folks who are yeah. um, suddenly finding, you know, their lives just totally on hold. And so I think it's, um, I think it's a good practice to kind of explore what that, um, what that looks like for people. Uh, especially, you know, folks who are kind of in the more experimental music community um, where, you know, maybe um, 
margins are a little bit tighter anyway yeah, totally. um, to kind of explore what that looks like. But of course, um, I wanted to interview you and, and kind of explore your relationship to music um, kind of before getting into all that. So when you think about like growing up, when you think about like being a kid, are there any musical like discoveries or moments when you discover like, you know, music is something in its own kind of distinct class or making sounds for sound's sake is something that you really were drawn to? Is there any memory that kind of sticks out? Um, so basically I started playing music when I was three. Uh, my mom's a professional piano teacher and performer. So she does classical piano all that kind of stuff. Also, like, she's out of work now, too. So it's mm-hmm. kind of um, get along about that. But, yeah, I don't know. I started playing piano when I was three, and I wasn't really into it for the first little while. I started getting into it when I was probably eight or nine, uh, but I had been doing it that whole time. And then eventually my friend down the street who kind of had an on and off friendship with that's like a totally different tangent uh but when we were friends I was able to go to his house and play the drum kit that was in his garage because his dad was in a Van Halen cover band hell yeah (laughs) and I was like well your dad's band is not my favorite but I think we could do something cool with this and did he have like a sick set like did he just like have like there was like so many pieces Neil (laughs) Peart style yeah yeah it was huge and like his dad's friends were all just like big burly dudes and they had like a motorcycle in the garage that they would like always be like talking about like holding their guitars and like guitars are like feeding back and they're like dude that's such a sick like sick so that's that's rock and roll claire i mean that's yeah yeah it's a rock and roll lifestyle and it attracted me from day one and ever since then i've been a rock and roller um (laughs) (laughs) yeah he he had a drug kit i was really into it and uh eventually my mom was like look if you can get to this level in piano I'll let you play drums. Um, so I think it was like a birthday or something. I got like a cheap, cheap, cheap <laughs> drum kit. And they're like, we're going to get you a drum kit, but it's going to be like very cheap. Um, and you have to take lessons and you have to continue piano. Um, so I did that for a long time. And eventually I like just kind of stopped playing piano because drums took over and they realized it was like, I'm really into this and I'm actually learning. So I don't know. Uh, I also grew up pretty Christian. So mm-hmm. the first opportunity to play in public was at church. So I started playing drums at church. <laughs> Did you play like in a, uh, like a worship band? Yeah, a hundred percent. And it was like, um, I was probably in middle school when I first started playing in front of people. So it was like a, a middle school, like cool uh, teenage worship band. Nice. It was, it was cool. I yeah. felt really cool at the time because I was like, I I get to go early and I get to practice and then I get to like shred for a little bit and then I play like the gig. Mm-hmm. And then afterwards, like I get to like sneak through the backstage and don't even have to like sit in and listen to them talk. And it was really, it was fun. <laughs> I actually had a really good time doing it. I can, imagine, I can imagine like you'd be able to do some like pretty sweet fills and stuff like that. Like that, mu- that music's very like, big and swelling and like bombastic so oh a hundred percent it's like all flashy and show and because like a lot of that stuff like really like in terms of like christian music and like christian rock stuff it like really plays up on like emotions and like controlling your emotions as like a person in the audience so people on stage especially like the drummer it's like depending on how intense you're playing or like 
if you may like end the song and you like want to like build it back up for like one more big chorus or something like that yeah yeah but you could you like really you hold people's like all of their emotions and like you control them like you put it on your hands and that's like something that I realized and wanted to do throughout any music I was making but maybe in a little bit more wholesome way (laughs) sure (laughs) or just like not manipulating the emotion but kind of like interacting with it more I remember um a pretty big realization um like as a teenager like scrolling through just like scanning the radio and uh coming across a song and I'm like oh this is like cool like this is you know has like these big you know swelling parts and then I realized it's a Christian song oh wow this is how music works like you know this thing that I thought was so like pure you know and just like just like fully driven by like just this outpouring of emotion is can be very very calculated and formulaic and it's like oh here comes yeah the uh, the chorus again after it drops down and you know like the singer gives their confessional or whatever yeah comes again and then like at the time like I was like really into like uh like hardcore and like metalcore and stuff so I was like listening to like bands like like there was a while where Christian and like metalcore, there was like this like it was crossover fused in this weird way where it was like people like secular people would listen to Christian metalcore. Well, th- then I would listen to Under Oath, and I'm like, yeah. oh my god, this is the exact same thing. This is the exact same thing. So yeah, 100%. no, that. <laughs> so um, what like were there any kind of percussionists that you like looked up to or that you discovered? maybe a little bit later in life that you were really drawn to? Um, I mean, after like being a teenager and listening to everything that teenagers listen to. Under oath? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't really know. It took me a long time to honestly like find any kind of like experimental or just like outsider music. Uh, I had a rule in my house that I wasn't really allowed to listen to secular music until I was like kind of in the middle of being a teenager. And is this in San Antonio? This was in San Antonio, yeah. Okay. And San Antonio is like a huge hard rock metal town. Sure. Um, so it's like, it was pretty easy to find stuff like through my peers just because I was so involved with like religious organizations and all that kind of stuff. So I, I found like the cool version of everything, but it took me a while to find like music I actually liked. I mean, I got into it, um, but I think I liked music as a thing or just like as a, like an activity more than like, certain kinds of music uh, up until a certain point yeah it's interesting um who like i know that there's like always this kind of like secular analog to or i mean really it's the christian analog of like secular music yeah um but uh who like who were some early kind of big discoveries for you um for secular or christian music (laughs) we can we can not talk about (laughs) (laughs) um I'm trying to think who I like got really into. Um, I was honestly just into like pretty bad music. I had a Weezer phase for a while when I was in high school. Sure. Got really into like Blue Album and Pinkerton and all that. A um, little bit later, like Wilco and um, like indie rock stuff, Pavement, mm-hmm. Silver Jews. Like that, that whole scene is yeah. something that I got really into. I was really into like sonic youth and all that kind of stuff um but honestly i got really into like the mars volta and like hella and all those math rock bands and that is kind of what i jumped 
over from, I guess, because mm-hmm. I was following music almost as like a technical thing. Like I just wanted to get better at drumming, better at drumming, better at drumming. And eventually started to find people that did music that was more adventurous and also mm-hmm. still technical. Um, so like jumping from like Mars Volta to Hella to like whatever else, that was really um, kind of what was the springboard into experimental music. So like yeah. Thomas Bridges, and Zach Hill, that whole crew. Right. I can definitely see like a through line from like Zach Hill to like some of the stuff that you're doing. Um, when did you decide to give like solo percussion like a go? Um, honestly, probably when I started touring with Maurice, I just like kept meeting people that were doing it mm-hmm. and people that were doing like free improv very seriously and almost exclusively. Um, and at first I had the impression that people that did that only did that. And I thought that was kind of cool, but I also thought like, no, oh, that's kind of limiting. And then realizing that people like draw influences from other other places and incorporate that into like free improvised music and also just like playing solo whatever instrument they can play. Uh, that was really inspiring. We did a West Coast tour and we got to play with a bunch of people in LA, like all the CalArts people that mm-hmm. uh, they knew from that whole period and meeting like some people from the Michael Pissarro crew and just like people that were very serious about a very different kind of music uh, that I wasn't really familiar with up until that point. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm trying to think. Yeah, I don't so, know. Again, I mean, I think there's an interesting through line between you um, playing music, being exposed to music, you know, um, as a like as a technical and kind of uh, performative art form. So, yeah, yeah. definitely. So you went on your first tour with More Ease in 2012? Yeah, I'm pretty sure. Um, cool. And, and, and that, no, that, that's probably not when you played Gold Rush, but um, what brought you two together? It seems like you all have had a pretty, like, fruitful, collaborative um, relationship. Yeah, it's been really nice. Uh, honestly, like... Mari's one of the people that introduced me to a lot of music and a lot of ways of thinking about stuff differently. Um, playing playing with Mari like totally changed my life, which is like amazing meeting somebody that is that like special and influential. Uh, but we started playing just together through like mutual connections in San Antonio because Mari's originally from here and was living mm. in California and then moved back to mm-hmm. Texas, but to Austin. Um, and needed a band and I started playing it was essentially like me and all the other people that like they were playing with before uh, and they'd known for like a decade and then like me so it's like brand new fresh kind of thing and I think that was a kind of a reason why it was so fruitful and just like a new connection and a new way of working with somebody um, but yeah just mutual connections in San Antonio it's been really mm-hmm. nice though that's great <laughs> Yeah, um, I was, you know, look forward to both of your work separately, but when you all record together. Um, and, you know, both of you, I think, have really, have done really cool collaborative records um, with other people. So, um, so with, with kind of fast forwarding, um, you know, going on that tour, playing with other people, playing in front of other people, what were some inspirations to kind of start recording and um, especially like, recording on the cassette format 
honestly, just when I realized all of my favorite music was coming out in that medium. And that seemed to be like the only way to do it. Yeah. And how did you get connected with like, um, I know that Already Dead, you know, has put out a bunch of your tapes and definitely some of your earlier stuff. How did you get connected with, uh, with that crew? Mari. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. Yeah. No. Uh, really like that was like a, a huge start to like what I was doing. And it's been like really nice to like see those connections grow and like keep working with those people over time. Um, Cause like the way I interact with already dead and like all those folks now is like way different than the way I interacted with them before. Mm. Uh, and like actually being friends with people and not just kind of yeah. being like, Oh, well, this like tape labels putting something out and like, I don't know. It's really nice to like work with people in a quote unquote professional uh, situation and then also just like become friends. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it's, it's really nice. And yeah. honestly, like all the music that I like is coming out on cassette, <laughs> like still. It's so weird um, that like that medium is like has lasted forever. Um, yeah. But yeah, I still have stuff coming out on Already Dead. <laughs> you could. Yeah, I connected with, I finally met Joshua in person um, a year ago. Uh, it was nice to kind of make that connection after, you know, these long protracted internet, <laughs> you know, relationships. Um, yeah. And then, you know, I love the stuff that you've got coming out um, on Astral Spirits. That seems to be like a really, uh, like, natural sort of connection. Um, so that's, that's yeah, awesome. And that's- that's Texas. a fun one. I'm trying to talk to more and more people who this coronavirus has impacted, especially musicians whose sole livelihood is, um, or a big part of their livelihood is, is playing in front of people, is touring, um, and then also some of these auxiliary um, industries that are impacted, this, uh, impacted by this. So Claire, um, can you tell me kind of where you were and kind of what what the experience was like when you found out that this was that this was going to be like a thing that was going to impact you? Yeah, I was at my day job um, that I no longer have because of this, and we were being told that maybe next week we weren't going to exist. And I was thinking, well, that's good. I have more time to do music. And then started thinking about all of the events I have planned this year. Um, and this year was really exciting for me. I had a lot of like music festivals and huge opportunities that I never had before. So I was like, well, that's good. I can focus on that. And then slowly realizing that this also impacts uh, things that I kind of view music in a way that like it is part of my everyday life, but I view it in this way that like, it just feels separate. Like it's this other like thing that is untouchable in a certain way. Mm -hmm. And now it feels very touched or violated or however you want to look at it. Um, So realizing that those opportunities are going away as well, just kind of thinking, well, what am I supposed to do with this? And a lot of the things that I've been thinking about recently and like my, my work, I was like, well, the world's burning. A lot of things are going really south um and that's something i've been addressing in my work recently and even before all this like something i'd been saying in a lot of like interviews or like to friends even is like like the whole world's burning it's not everybody's job to fix it but it is everybody's job to like comfort the other people around you yeah. um because not everybody has the skill set or the like capacity to like 
fix some of these like really complicated problems, but everybody does have the capacity to like hold somebody's hand while like you're going through it together. Um, so that's kind of what I've been focusing on the last like six months in my work and what my upcoming release on RD Dead is about. And it seems like a better time than ever to, you know, keep focusing on that, holding people's hands digitally yeah. or from six feet away or whatever. Sure. In what um in what ways have you seen that kind of play out? Um, I mean I've seen it play out sometimes and I other times it it doesn't exist, right? Mm-hmm. Like some people don't want to do that. Um, but a lot of the times, like artists are so good at connecting with people from far away and making connections. Like it's, it's really interesting, like touring and making a connection one night in one random city. It's almost like a weird, like, you know, one night stand kind of thing sometimes. Right. It, it, it feels really emotions. weird. Yeah, yeah. 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 You just like experience this thing like completely and like fully. And then the next day, you're you're totally removed from it. Yeah. But artists are really good about like making those things happen and really like, you know, investing a hundred percent, at least on a good day, uh, for that situation or that experience. So I think there's a way to do that digitally. Mm-hmm. And I've seen a lot of people, like even people that I haven't talked to in like a year or like you know eight months from wherever are starting to hit me up and be like, hey, you want to FaceTime? And I'm like, yeah, mm. it would actually be really awesome because I mm-hmm. don't know when I can see you again. Yeah. Um, yeah. And even close friends. It's, yeah, it's really nice. And it's all like artists, musician people because they want that connection and that like personal kind of situation to be in or like personalized, whatever. Definitely. You know, I think that's an interesting, you know, take on it that artists are kind of naturally, uh, have to do this you know like out of necessity um is establish uh meaningful connections with people that it is often built upon a uh, shared appreciation for for their music or, or, or art and so um i feel like a lot of times um we and like just somebody who's like involved in doing a label and like booking and stuff like i have these um spread out dispersed relationships um yeah. that you know that feel like uh like really kind of like intense you know when they happen but then I kind of wonder like okay well like six months from now eight months from now like this person that I met this one time that we seem to have like a connection around you know experimental music does is that going to translate you know when you know the shit hits the fan and like we need each other and uh, I'm, I'm hoping that I'm seeing that, uh, that play out in terms of people being like emotionally available, uh, for each other. The thing that I guess concerns me, um, is that as, um, that one thing that I've kind of observed from running a label is that, um, a lot of times the people who are supporting each other emotionally are also the ones who are like, supporting each other financially because they value like music and they value like recorded music and value yes. things live performances. And so, you know, I'll, I'll get, uh, somebody will order a record. And I'm like, Oh, thanks. <laughs> you know, like so-and-so who I like yeah. booked a show for six months ago, you know? And so I'm really worried that like, um, as you know, musicians, um, don't have the ability to work. They also won't have like the ability, like that base. I, and I don't know how big of a base that is, but like sort of that base of people who are like buying music and, and, and supporting, um, you know, each other's music by, you know, financially like buying stuff. 
I'm, I'm yeah, wondering no, how big of an impact that's going to have. Um, so I, I really think, hope, oh, go ahead. No, yeah, I think, I mean, like, at least experimental music, especially in the U.S., and especially in, like, a DIY capacity, it's, like, a really insular economy. Um, mm -hmm. And a lot of people that are, like, purchasing this music also make it because uh, in reality, not a lot of people appreciate it, and that's no fault to anybody else uh, that doesn't make or appreciate the music, but um, the people that really do support it financially and emotionally are people that also can relate to it on a you know, first-hand experience of creating it or like attending concerts or whatever. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so I think like it's going to take a pretty big hit. Um, I was actually having a talk with Josh. I'm already dead. I was like, hey, just want to let you know, like, can't really promise you anything in terms of like this thing that's coming out next month because I don't know what things are going to look like. Yeah. If you like can't ship me tapes, it's fine because I'm not going to have anywhere to sell them. So right. we can do whatever right. you want with it. And he was like, I mean, pre-orders are going pretty well. I was like, oh, that's really nice to hear. I wonder if that's going to be the case in, in 20 days or something. Yeah. Because shit hit the fan a couple days ago and it also hit the fan like, eight days ago and it's going to continue probably today yeah. or tomorrow um so I don't, I don't really know i think it's i mean all economies are like insular to their own communities i guess unless you're talking like on a massive like you know international scale which is also shit's hitting the fan there too so yeah absolutely i don't know you know i think providing digital music and also providing like free content uh which is like a gross word to use but just like providing like access to stuff is really important like people do pay what you want shows or like nobody turned away kind of events and it's like yeah. i feel like in this situation a lot of recorded media should be the same too yeah yeah i think that's a i think that's a really good um point you know i i feel like in some ways we're such a lot of people are like passive receivers of, of music um without kind of like getting any sort of glimpse behind of how this stuff is actually like gets to you um so yeah. hopefully this will you know I, i've just within the past um you know a couple of days i've i've watched a couple of really really amazing like live performances you know just yeah streaming um sitting on my porch you know um with it kind of in my ear which i think is really um really amazing and, and is you know, much as people want to monetize it, I think that is a great route to go. Um, but I think I've seen a lot of bands um, and musicians who maybe aren't as, like, this isn't their um, their sole livelihood or a big part of their, their livelihood, yeah. um, give away their stuff for free. You know, just like, hey, like, I'm putting this out there, you know, pay what you want, don't pay at all, like, you know, um, sort of giving this as a gift, right? Like, um, yeah. If if you if you like this, um, you know, I, I want you to like have something <laughs> right during this time. Um and and so I think that's really cool. If 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 bands and if, if artists are able to do that, um, you know, if, if their if their industry, their sort of their day job industry hasn't been, you know, too much impacted, if they're able to do that, um, I think that is a, definitely a good um gesture of goodwill. Um, but definitely if um as, as we're kind of scrambling to figure out what's next, you know, I, I definitely encourage artists to, um, you know, definitely encourage people to like, you know, monetize some of these live performances and stuff like that. I don't think it's anything outside of, you know, no. pass the hat, you know, DIY show. 
Um, yeah, there's nothing wrong with that. And monetizing stuff is, there's nothing wrong with making money off of your art. Not Especially in this situation. If you, you know, if, I mean, that's the only way I can make money right now. And instead of, you know, giving my stuff away for free, it's, it's, it's always been relatively inexpensive. Mm-hmm. But offering something like your time or, you know, if you do have the emotional capacity to like connect with people or like check in on folks, even if you yeah. don't know them that well. Um, that's kind of what I've been doing. Like yesterday mm-hmm. I checked in with a bunch of people. I was like, look, I can't, if you want to buy something, that's going to be really cool. Cause that's the only way I can, I can make money right now. And I'm kind of scrambling. Uh, but if you want like, you know, got unlimited data, give me a FaceTime call. <laughs> we, right. can, we can definitely like talk if you are not doing okay. Yeah. Maybe, you know, what we'll, what we'll see out of this, maybe this is like the silver lining is that, you know, a lot of people are talking about like, uh, you know, coronavirus babies, <laughs> you know, like the baby boom yeah. after this. Hopefully what we'll see is like people like realizing from disparate scenes in different cities that they need each other. And so we'll see like even more like freaky collaborations, you know, between people um, that are um, realizing that they sort of, you know, um, need each other for kind of emotional support. And then later when things are a little bit more clear, you know, that, that might um, evolve into a, you know, a, a creative or, or, you know, artistic relationship. That's kind of hard to think about now, but yeah, you know, sil- silver lining, you know, however month, you know, however long from now, you know, hopefully, um, yeah, th- th- these, these kind of far flung <laughs> disparate communities will, will come closer together. I think Ren, Ren agrees as well. <laughs> so, um, yeah, what is, um, how are yeah. you, how are you holding up? What is, um, what, you know, what are you doing to kind of, um, keep yourself occupied and, and, you know, keep yourself creative and, um, and, and just, you know, <laughs> like to totally together in this, you know, insane time. Sorry, I think we might we lose each other. Uh, I don't really know. <laughs> yeah. I keep killing the video to see if it helps. I don't okay. think it's going to help though. Okay. Um, I, uh, I can, I can hear you. Yeah, I can hear you. Oh, you, I'm frozen. Can you hear me? Yeah, I can hear you. Can you hear me? Yeah. Okay. Well, I guess, um, I guess if, if it's still recording and we can hear each other, hopefully picking it up. Okay. So let me rephrase that question because I didn't really, um, <laughs> it kind of rambled for a sec. Um, so what are you doing to keep yourself occupied, to keep yourself busy, to keep yourself um, even creating during this time? Uh, I'm creating a lot of mixes for various uh, places and publications and trying to like get as much music from people I care about out there in a creative way. Um, not really working on anything like, you know, uh, original or whatever, like creating new music for myself. I think I am not really in a place where I feel like I should or can do that. Yeah. Um, but like, you know, expressing creativity through creating mixes for different things. I'm really into that right now. Um, mm-hmm. I'm just finding a way to like put all of my favorite things in one place for people to kind of interact with it. Um, while like supporting like, you know, my community and my friends and, and all that kind of stuff. Uh, other than that, just like doing fun projects at home, not really focusing on music too much, watching a lot of The Sopranos and just 
figuring it out. <laughs> so I saw this post by w- William Tyler, uh, who kind of like said like, you know, all you musicians who are like planning on, you know, writing and recording your, your masterpiece during this time, like just also recognize that you're humans and that, you know, you are responding to this um, the way that everybody else is. And so, you know, take time for yourself to, you know, to grieve and to, um, you know, process this without kind of feeling the pressure of needing to, um, you know, needing to turn this into like a, a creative period. You know, if it happens, it happens. But, you know, if not, just really focus on you know, doing what you can to kind of take care of yourself and other people. I think that's a, you know, I like that sentiment a lot. Yeah. Well, no, I really like that a lot. Um, it's, I was thinking about it last night. But yeah, I don't know. I think that's like a good a good way to view it. I really like the meme that's like William Shakespeare wrote all nine of the Fast and Furious movies during <laughs> the whatever <laughs> like quarantine period that he was in. It's true. And I was like, oh yeah, like we should <laughs> probably not take it as seriously as artists yeah. and like maybe just focus on things that matter more than uh, being productive or like trying to, I just don't like looking forward into the future and be like, when this is all over, this is going to happen. I think we should focus on now and how to be better for other people now. For sure. Yeah. I think that's the one thing that, you know, we're, we're learning right now is just the importance of like being available. Well, I mean, first kind of taking care of yourself and then, um, being available for other people if if you have the capacity to to do so. So, well, um, thank you, yeah, Claire. Yeah, we don't for, know when or if things will get better. <laughs> for sure, right? Yeah, I mean, yeah, this could be a completely, um, you know, there there won't like yeah, things may not return back to normal. This could be the new normal. Who knows? Yeah. Anyway, sorry. Yeah. No, no. Yeah. I think it's, it's pretty, uh, pretty unprecedented. So, well, I really appreciate you taking the time, um, to, to talk to me, um, you know, to kind of process this as it's, as it's happening. And yeah, I, I hope we can find a way to, uh, continue to support each other as, as things are incredibly uncertain right now. So. Yeah, me too. Thanks for taking the time to do this.